Hi guys, this is Oliver Cookson and welcome to the 12th episode of Bootstrap Your Life. I hope everyone's well and had a positive week since last time we spoke. So as I said, throughout August we've got quite a few questions which roll around a similar topic which was hiring or how best to go around hiring in a startup, whether that's a funded startup or a bootstrap startup or in any business and I started to give the answer. So this was actually a large answer, so I've split it over three parts. So this is the second part and the third and final part will be next week. So before I get to the second part, I just wanted to give a quick thanks to Bobsky23, Kyle J. Fuller, Tracy Munro, Duffy4321, Rainbow Rocks and Grant2310. Really appreciate all you guys for leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. And I've read every single one and they were really helpful. So thank you for that. So please, guys, if you've not left me a review, please go and do the same on Apple Podcasts. Super easy. And if you do get the time, please do tell a friend or a family member or colleague about the show who you think might find it useful. Okay, without further ado, let's jump back right into the question now. This is part two of the question around how to best to hire and scaling a business. So in terms of more of the front end people, like sales guys and e-commerce experts, etc., etc., they didn't come until much, much, much later on for two reasons. One, that was my area of strength and I, I devoted myself to that. So I freed myself for the operational tasks and I really focused on, on those areas. I was obviously developing a website. I was driving the AdWords, the SEO, all of the digital marketing and B2B sales supplier contracts, et cetera, et cetera. All of those side of commercial, more commercial side of things, inwards and outwards, I managed. So that was, so I didn't want to bring anyone else in at that stage to save costs, because we're obviously still bootstrapping. And also those recruits would have cost a lot more. They're a lot more expensive in salary. I really wanted to just leave those recruits until as late as possible to ensure we kept a positive cash flow. So what advice would I give to making these hires, especially in a bootstrapped business, first of all, especially those early hires. Look, you need a certain type of person in those early days. You want committed, hardworking, and passionate people next to you. You're realistically not going to be able to afford to buy the best talents in those early years, unless you give away equity or you, you got a cash injection from somewhere. You're typically not going to get those guys so that's something I didn't want to do. So that's why we didn't get those people. But what I did do was look to find the people who were very passionate and driven and hardworking. So typically, they'll need more management from yourself. They'll also need a clear vision of what to do and a clear process of what to do. But once you show them this and they buy into it, no one wins any wars without soldiers and no one will win or grow a business successfully without the business equivalent of soldiers. They get stuff done without fuss, with passion, commitment, and focus. I can't emphasize enough how important it is to get that right mindset in those early recruits, because obviously you're such a small team, that mindset will create the culture and lead on in the business. If you bring in the wrong mindset of someone who is very negative or not very well, organized in terms of their work ethic and it's just no passion 
then that's when you bring an additional person on board, they're going to then see that and they're going to soak that energy up. And that's a recipe for disaster. So you need to bring these guys on who are really passionate and believe in you, believe in your vision and want to work for you. And obviously, if they come and do that and they do a great job, you need to reward them rightly. If you're, if you're winning, then they should win as well. So, you know, bonus schemes and such like should be an absolute standard default thing for all parts of the business. I remember in the mid-years of MP, let's call it, around three or four years in, or maybe even five years in, we used to have many corporate visitors from banks, suppliers, etc., etc., and they always used to comment, every single one of them always used to say how focused and such a nice buzz of work around the office. Everyone's completely focused on their own goals and achievements and hitting various KPIs and also committed to making the goals of what the mission of the company was, which has become the number one online brand and later the number one in Europe, both which we achieved within their time frame. And then we created the blueprint for the second phase, which was to roll out worldwide, which has since been achieved as well. So what do I believe makes a bad hire? And this works across the board, whether you're a startup, pre-seed, unicorn, whatever. I think this is, for me, these rules still apply. Obviously, there's exceptions to every rule in life, but I would use these as my rules of thumb for sure. So the first thing is friends and family. Don't employ friends or family in your business if you can help it. It creates a whole myriad of different dynamics and issues in my experience. I've seen it in other businesses completely destroy businesses from the inside out. And I've, I've seen it in my business as well where it can really create an, an awkward dynamic because you don't mix business and pleasure. It's an old cliche. It's a cliche for a reason. It just doesn't work. Of course, again, it's exceptions to every rules. I'm sure there's going to be someone out there who's employed a friend or a family and they, they've really been in a great position from it. But for me, it's just a no-no. Keep your business and your pleasure separate. It just makes life a lot more easy. I think a great point around this is partnerships. So it's similar. My view on partnerships is the same, but I'll cover that on another podcast maybe. But in terms of friends and family, what the issue is, is the expectation. So someone is always going to be disappointed because your friend or your family member expects you to give them special treatment in some situations or do something differently or overlook certain situations. And then you expect them to maybe work a little bit harder than everyone else or do something different. And typically you'll never find that balance. Always someone is going to be disappointed. It's impossible to find the absolute 50% down the middle mark. So one way or another, someone's going to be disappointed. And when someone's disappointed, that effectively leads to issues. Issues which you really don't need to get involved in because those issues are disruptive, the time wasting, the negative, the energy sapping. And effectively, you could end up losing a friend or a family member's loyalty to you in the long run. And I value both of those, friendships and obviously family members, than, than a work colleague who you could go and employ. So sometimes you have to just say no. I've had friends ask me for jobs in the past. And of course, I always help my friends out there. They're like my extended family. But I always explain to them that working together is just a no-no for me, it's my rule, and my friends, my close friends now know that, and they'll never ask me around those points. I'll always help them where I can, of course. But in terms of recruiting, friends and family, for me, a no-no. 
Another one, which is a common mistake and something I've made a mistake myself personally a number of times, is recruiting people too quickly without the right level of due diligence or competence in the interview process. So I really would fall back to the saying, hire slowly, fire quickly. So really do take your time hiring someone. Obviously, you need to get people in. You can't mess around. But just don't cut corners from your interview process. You know, If you're spending an extra hour here or an extra half an hour there, it's absolutely nothing compared to what it is in terms of bringing the wrong person on board. Bring the wrong person on board. You've got all of the paperwork and contracts and God knows what else in terms of bringing a person before they even get on the seats. Once the bum's on the seat, you've then got to train them, which chews up the person training them at the time. Could be yours, could be a supervisor. And then they'll take a bit of time to get used to the role. So they're not going to be working to full capacity, which obviously costs money. And then if it doesn't work out, then you've got to go through the process of making them redundant or losing them or whatever it might be. And then if that's the case, it's just a whole raft of work which could have been saved from an extra few hours work at the start. Another huge tip for me is something I have banged on around on social media if you follow me across there. But I'm a big believer in it, so I think it's something worth putting on record, as it were. You can teach most skills in business. You can teach most skills in business. I can teach someone, if I sat down with someone, I could teach them how to be an expert in AdWords. I can teach them how to make websites. I can teach them lots of different skills. There's, you know, there's numerous and probably hundreds of thousands of skills you can teach, millions probably. However, one thing you cannot teach is passion. Passion is so important, and out the back of passion is hard work and the right work ethic, etc., etc., again, which is hard to teach, but it can be more taught or incentivized, let's say. But in terms of passion, it's so important for me, especially in those early years, to bring on people who are passionate. It's a character makeup. Some people are just more passionate than others, or it might just be the more passionate about the business that you're offering or the role that you're offering, or they could be passionate about you and your vision. Whatever it may be, you need that burning fire inside someone. You need to create that fire if it's not there. Some people, the fire just won't start. Maybe they're just not in the right place, that's not the right job for them, or they're not in the right zone, but they're not the right person for you and your business. You absolutely need that passion from day one. So if you don't feel that it's there, or it's not the ability, it's not, it's not going to get there, then it's a no-no as a recruitment for sure. There has been times when I've employed people who I believe were impassionate. Look, some people could be great at an interview and they can sell you themselves. They can come across super passionate and tick all the boxes. But then once they're employed and the role kicks in and then it all disappears and they're a different person. It's hard to mitigate those situations, but they will happen when you're employing hundreds or thousands of people. And I don't like to say this because I'm not one to want to. I like to give people a chance for sure. However, especially in the early years of the business, if someone is like that, where they're just showing no desire, no passion, they've really got a negative energy about them, you really just need to fire quickly and get rid in the nicest possible way. There's no nice way to put it, but you really do. Because what will happen, and has happened in, in various stages before, is their negativity and toxicness will go across the rest of the team. So you could create a toxic department, which would have been a buoyant department before, but their negative energy and lack of work, people are looking at them and thinking, okay, I'm doing all this work and they're playing on Tetris all day, or the moaning around this, and then the thoughts going on in their head. 
So you really do need to give them a chance first and try and understand why they're being like this. However, you need to, some people are a lost cause, unfortunately, and there's only so much time you can devote or you can flog a dead horse. So in those situations, you do really need to let the people go. You need to do it in the right way. You need to be considerate. You need to do it with the, in the correct protocols, of course. There's never, never any way you should be shouting and bawling in front of people or making them feel low. They might be having a real tough time in their personal life. So it's always pull them to the side but do it in the right and proper way. But there's no way that it should be in a business or your business because it's going to negatively affect the whole business and it's not a positive thing for anyone. So following on from that, I mentioned the word culture. So the word culture in the workplace has become much more of a buzzword in this last decade. So when I started my protein in 2004, obviously it was a thing. However, it wasn't really a buzzword. And to be honest, it wasn't something I was that pioneering at or that I experienced at. Obviously, I wanted to create a real thriving culture within the business, a good atmosphere. That's, you know, everyone knows it's much better to walk into an office where everyone's happy and everyone's on the same page than walk into an office where everyone's sad and gloomy. That's just common sense. So over the years, the word culture has been dramatized and really spun off in lots of different ways. So specifically in a startup where you really do want to attract top talent, this is obviously maybe a few years on once you've got some funding or you've got you've earned enough cash to, to be able to bring those guys in. Culture is so important. And I know lots of companies out there now, especially some a lot of the tech startups have pool tables, free meals, all these sorts of things, which are all amazing and absolutely the right thing to do. You know, you see the Facebook offices, you see the Google offices, they all look at an amazing place to work. But you, let's be realistic. Facebook and Google, when they started, that wasn't their scene. They were working in a little tiny room, all cramped together and all bashing out code. But you know what they were working for? The opportunity. The opportunity of creating something amazing, creating a legacy, being part of that start of that process and getting the rewards that they deserve for that. So I don't think we should move away from that. I think obviously you need to offer a safe, comfortable environment for people to work and a positive place, somewhere nice, but not. I don't think you should over-egg and try and replicate what Facebook and Google are doing, who are a multi-billion pound company and they can afford to do that. I think at the early stages of the business, if people are coming for that side of it, maybe they're not the right employee, in my opinion. And I know a lot of people will disagree with that. As long as you offer the sensible and good working environment with all the stuff that works, not broken desks and broken chairs. And, you know, we're not talking working on the floor here. But what if you can offer the right opportunity, that's what's going to attract the right talent for your business at that time. People who want to get involved and get move things moving forward and be really driven and focused and hardworking and absolutely drive to that end goal. And look, all of those fun things will come down the track for sure. You know, later down the line, when the team's in the hundreds or whatever it may be, and you're making millions of pounds, then you can bring in all the fun stuff. But at the start, there's not many businesses that start, especially bootstraps. In fact, there's probably no bootstrap businesses that start with all those fluffy things. It starts in a simple environment. So to summarise that point, I guess there's lots and lots of things you can do to create a positive and harmonious working environment in those early years. And it's important to get everyone fully focused on the matter in hand, which is getting traction, getting traction and getting everyone on board of that. 
if people can't get there without all of the fluffy things, as I've said, then I'm not sure they would be the best fit for that business at that time. It might be a great fit later or a great fit in another business, but for me, it might not be the best. The bells and whistles come later, but in the first years, you really just need to focus on getting that traction and zoning into the work. So guys, hopefully I don't sound overly bullish or harsh, but what this podcast is around is making people successful in building and starting their businesses. And unfortunately, you do need to be on the front foot sometimes. So as long as it's done with the right care, consideration and empathy, then it's then it's okay. But you do need to be on the front foot, otherwise it will suffocate your business. So those points were really around early stage hires. However, a lot of the points were transferable to later stage hires as well, and to more senior hires as well. It can work across the board. But obviously the examples I was giving was more in the early days of my protein. Okay, well that's the end of part two of the question around hiring and it's a three-part series so the next and final part will be on the next episode which will be next Wednesday so I hope as always it's been of use in some way to you as always really appreciate your time for listening if you do want to keep up to date with any latest news please do follow me on Instagram at Oliver Cookson on LinkedIn and Twitter Oliver Cookson you'll be able to add find me there for some unique content also, if you're interested, my book will be coming out next year. So you can go onto my website, olivercookson.com, and you can register your interest on there. Don't worry, I won't be sending hundreds of emails. I'll just keep you up to date once you can pre-order and such like. On there, you can also ask me a question to be featured on this podcast if you have a question you'd like to ask. Don't be afraid to ask anything. Anything is fine in business. So yeah, if you have a question which is you may think simple or it might be super complex, please just ask it and hopefully I'll be able to make the time to be able to feature it on the show. So I'll speak to you next Wednesday, which will be part three of this question. Have a great week.